The Steve Lobby Agency presents The Christian Publishing Show, a podcast for writers who want to advance Christ's kingdom using the written word. Here's your host, Thomas Umstadt Jr. How do you go from drained to energetic, and how do you maximize your energy as an author? To discuss these t- with us today, we're going to be talking with Susan Stewart. She's the senior nonfiction editor with Elk Lake Publishing, and she's published three books, including the award-winning formatting ebooks for writers, and she speaks at conferences all over the country about how to be less stressed and more productive. St- uh, Susan, welcome to the Christian Publishing Show. Well, thank you, Thomas. I'm glad to be with you today. So why is writing so physically draining? Actually, uh, writing is physically demanding, even though it doesn't appear to be because we're just, after all, we're just sitting at a keyboard, right? But it takes mental and emotional energy to do to do this, and that's hard work. Thinking is hard work. Working through the emotions is hard work, and all of that becomes uh, physically draining on the rest of our body. Yeah, it's kind of shocking. I was working on uh, some writing last week, and it wasn't even a long piece, but at the end, I was just spent. <laughs> it was like like I was just worthless, and I was like, this is crazy. Like, how, how do you um, – is there anything you do to, like, build up your stamina where you can write for longer or where it's less uh, draining or to have more energy? I don't know about writing longer. I have so many writing hours in me in a day. I hear about uh, people who sit down and write for 8, 10, 12 hours, and that's their norm. For me, it's uh, probably about four or five hours I can stay in the office. Of course, I shift up my writing. I don't just sit and write on the book in progress or the article in progress. I do move around. I'll work on a blog post. I'll work on my chapters. I'll work on some editing. And that helps keep me mentally clear. I'm not so bogged down. But each individual has to find their own sweet spot. Uh, if, if it's an hour a day, then it's an hour a day. If it's 10 hours a day, uh, be thankful you can do 10 hours a day and crank that book out in 30 days. Uh, you have to find your own sweet spot, what works. Yeah, and I imagine part of it is also avoiding some of the things that drain you of energy so that you can put more of the energy that you do have into your writing. Uh, what are some, what drains energy and what can we do to avoid those draining things? Uh, one of the things that, that drains energy is uh, not having your time of day, knowing when you are at your prime. I'm at my prime early in the morning, uh, four or five o'clock in the morning. First thing I do when I sit down at my computer is write. I don't look at email. I don't look at social media. I write because I know that's my best time of the day. Others, their brains don't even get geared up until 10 o'clock at night. And that's their best time of the day. And that really helps uh, because you're not trying to trudge through. I've got to get through this 500 words and, or I'm going, going to not make deadline. Uh, you have to know those things. You also have to know what your own body and emotions can handle. Uh, if, if I'm writing a real emotional piece, sometimes I have to quit after 15 minutes and take a break from it and let my emotions settle in and sometimes even deal with the emotion that has come up. 
through it. And that break may be two or three days before I get back to that kind of peace, a uh, place for it. The um, uh, final thing is taking care of yourself and knowing what your body can handle in terms of how long it can sit, how many times you need to get up in an hour. Uh, again, we're back to what works for you. There's no formula. I cannot tell anyone, get up at five o'clock in the morning, have a cup of coffee, hit the keyboard, and when you're finished after 45 minutes, go for a mile walk. May work for me, but it may not work for you. I really like that high energy time for high energy tasks because there are low energy tasks, right? Checking email doesn't require much emotional energy. And uh, I feel like, you know, the flip side of knowing when your high energy time is, it's also knowing when your low energy time is, right? Like if you're typically really sluggish right after lunch, that's where you put your easiest tasks. <laughs> and often <Exactly. laughs> we want to do the easiest tasks first, right? So it's a, let's say you're a morning person, you wake up in the morning, you have high energy. And so you go and do all the easy things first. You do your f- email, you do your Facebook, you check in with all the urgent stuff. And then, you know, it's 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, you do a little bit of writing and then you go to lunch and then it's time to really get into the writing after lunch and you are just spent and now your whole day is wasted. Whereas if you inverse that and you do four hours of writing at the beginning of the day and then heading in to lunch, that's when you're doing your easy stuff. You can have a fully productive day and a less exhausting day because you didn't waste your high energy time on low energy tasks. Well, that, that's exactly, I know uh, people ask me, how, how are you able to do all the things that you do? And it's because I know when I can check, when I should be checking email, when I should be writing emotional content, when I should be writing uh, some blog post or fairly easy for me to uh, hammer out. So I do those in a low energy time and then go back and edit. Uh, again, each individual, God made each one of us individuals for a reason, not to be carbon copies. Again, what works for me um, is probably not going to work for you. You have a baby after all. <laughs> Yeah, having a baby does uh, complicate matters. I I will agree. Although the principles are the same. So how the principle is implemented is different, right? Like where my high energy time is, is not the same as it was before I had a baby right now. I have a baby waking up and and crying and I'm uh, blessed to have a wife who is able to take care of that most nights. But sometimes, you know, she was up with the baby so much at night that come the morning, my morning time is now um, taking care of the baby, right? <laughs> Getting the baby dressed and out of bed and fed, which is now a much more involved project. I used to, all I had to do to feed the baby was hand her to my wife and she would get <laughs> magically fed. And now food has to be prepared and then the baby has to be cleaned afterwards. Um, we actually just bought a full body smock for my daughter because um, for her, her eating breakfast is a full contact sport uh, that can sometimes lead to bath time if we're not if we're not careful. We've actually thought about getting a shower for the kitchen just to spray off the baby. But but the principle though is that um, you need to find when those times are. And for some people, because of their season of life, that time is kind of a moving target and it changes. And I found this with the baby. Like having a two month old baby is very different from having a ten month old baby. Just in eight months, uh, what is challenging is different. She wakes up less now, but she also requires a lot more attention. Yeah. And wait until that 10-month-old is a running (laughs) (laughs) two-year-old. 
I know it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> well, you know, and, and people who have a full-time job away from home um, have that similar uh problem. Uh, they have to be someplace else at a specific time for a specific time. And to find those, uh, I know some people advise just just find the, a little time slot here and there, right? 15 minutes at lunchtime. Well, if that 15 minutes at lunchtime, you're not you barely can uh, write a coherent sentence. That's not your prime time. You may need to get up 15 minutes earlier in the morning or stay up 15 minutes later in the evening, wherever that prime time is. Uh, because sometimes there are obligations that we have to shift around. I'm blessed. I don't have to, to leave my house to do my work and I can schedule myself the way uh, I need to. Um, but, um, if you have those obligations, you have to make the accommodation of what, again, we're back to what works best for you uh, in your life, in your season, and your situation. Yeah, so let's shift gears a little bit. We've talked a lot, a lot about physical energy. We've talked a little bit uh, about emotional energy as well. Uh, but I want to kind of dig a little bit deeper into that kind of emotional, spiritual side of uh, writing. And, you know, is how do you recharge emotionally and how do you recommend that writers uh, recharge emotionally? One of the things, as I mentioned earlier, that I do to recharge is if I'm writing a a, a really emotional piece and I'm a nonfiction writer so my emotional pieces often deal with something that I have dealt with in my life and so at times uh, it's a matter of leaving that piece aside for as much as a week maybe even a month while I deal with I work through those emotions again uh, being physically healthy it helps with emotions. Um, we actually, ha you know, have three parts to us. It's a physical, emotional, and spiritual part. And all three of those have to work together. So if I maintain my physical health, uh, it's easier for me to work through those emotional uh, issues that I have to. And, you know, I have a family full of human beings that have emotional issues that sometimes I have to take care of uh, or at least be part of. This past year, we had three deaths in our family, and those were all emotional times that I needed to set emotional type writing aside and, and just do that easy stuff for a while. But maintaining my physical and spiritual health is just as important as uh, maintaining my emotional health. They all work together. And setting um, buffer time. Right? If you're scheduled where every single minute is accounted for, there's no time to deal with the crises of life, right? The things that are unexpected that come up, the unexpected illness, the unexpected uh, family member who's passed away. And then, you know, it's like uh, your boat is like one inch above the waterline, right? It's like any wave suddenly splashing into the boat. Uh, whereas if you have more margin in your life, uh, your boat is uh, riding higher. <laughs> you can take the, the waves of life better. Um, how do you, so, cause you're very busy, right? You've got a bunch of different jobs. You work with a bunch of different conferences, you're writing, you're editing. How do you kind of set time aside for buffer and keep from kind of constantly being swamped with every uh, new wave that comes? 
Well, I I really am a scheduler. My children used to say I plan spontaneous activities. But <laughs> it's not so much that I plan and schedule, but I have a routine. Uh, as I've said, I'm usually at my keyboard by 5 a.m. when my routine to start writing first, writing my projects first, and then I do editing uh, for Elk Lake next. And I have... Uh, there's one day a week that I work on one conference. I set aside time. It's a routine that I go to. Uh, the other thing is learning that magic word called no. Uh, even sometimes you have even have to say no to your family that uh, so that, again, physically, emotionally and spiritually, you're healthy enough to do all of these things and build in the buffer. I have times of the day, uh, for me it's usually around lunchtime and a little after, that uh, it's either playing a computer game, a relaxing computer game, or it's reading, it's non-writing, non-professional time. And um, I'm also, uh, I'm a swimmer. There's, I have a, I swim three days a week. And that's a time for me to refresh physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Uh, some some people run. I know Cease Murphy runs, and that does that for him. And so, again, we're back to knowing what works for each individual. That the magic word no is the best way to build those uh, buffers in. We do not have to take every obligation to come along. Uh, we had a pastor one time that said, a need is not a call. Mm. And even in our writing, in our professional world, a need is not a call. We don't have to do everything that comes along. Uh, sometimes we need to turn down that uh, awesome uh, blog, glass blog that's going to go out to a million people. Uh Six months ago, if you'd asked me to do this interview, I might have said no because I it would have infringed on some of that time. And so that simple two-letter word no uh, is helpful in all of these areas. Because every time you say yes to something, you're simultaneously saying no to everything else, right? When you said yes to come and do this interview, you're saying no to the other thing that you would have done with this time. And it's so easy to say yes to people or the person in front of you without realizing that you're pre-committing your future self to say no <laughs> to somebody else. And if you don't realize who you're saying no to, it may be your family that you're saying no to. And uh, that can be very costly in the long run. Although I am curious, which video, which uh, relaxing video game uh, do you play? Uh, most of mine are solitaire games, but uh, I've got one favorite, it's a three, three in a row kind, it's called Gummy Drops, and it's absolutely mindless. I don't even have to think, <laughs> think about it when I'm playing. <laughs> I did, that, that's great. I was curious because the uh, video games that I play uh, are not typically um, relaxing. <laughs> they're, oh, okay. yeah. they're exciting <laughs> instead. It's a very different kind uh, of video game. I, Thomas, I did want to say one more thing about when we say yes to, to things. Uh, when we say yes to everything that comes along, uh, sometimes we are interfering with somebody else's. Somebody else should be doing that ministry or that job. Uh, we, we need to really think about, does God have us in mind when a general call goes out? 
or does he have somebody else in mind, but we're jumping to raise our hand right away? Um, that's the reason I, I take careful consideration before I say yes to a job. I want to know that it's what God wants me to do, not just for my own, uh, my own personal reasons, whatever those may be. Yeah, you know, there's a powerful story in the Gospels where Jesus is walking along and this Gentile woman uh, comes up to him and asks Jesus to heal her child of uh, demonic possession. And he says, it's not fitting to give to the dogs uh, that which is intended for the children. And everyone is, you know, shocked at this, right? As Gentiles, most of us are Gentiles reading this passage. You're like, why is he blowing off? this Gentile woman. But if you think about it, it's actually very consistent with uh, Jesus's ministry. He didn't, that I know of, step into a Gentile home uh, when he did healings for Gentiles, because uh, he did do it occasionally. It was always from a distance. It was always after he'd marveled at the faith of the Gentiles, like, wow, the centurion is like man under authority. It's like, okay, go home. Your, you know, your servant is healed. And, you know, why would Jesus do that? And I th- spent a lot of time thinking about it. Why would Jesus say no, at least initially, to this Gentile woman uh, who came to him? And I finally realized that it was because uh, he loved her, ultimately, and because he loved Gentiles uh, in, in general. It wasn't out of spite or it wasn't out of hate. It was that Jesus knew he had a limited amount of time for his earthly ministry. And for him to say everything that needed to be said to set the church in the right direction, he had to be incredibly focused. He was focused not on the world for his earthly ministry. He was focused on the children of Israel, but more specifically to the like 5,000 people who would actually hear him speak and were listening to what he said. But more than that, he was focused on the 72 that he could send out on mission. And more than that, he was uh, focused on the 12, you know, that never left his side. And even more than that, he was focused on the three, um, Peter, James, and John, who uh, were at the Mount of Transfiguration and were in on his innermost secrets. I mean, that is a lot of focus. And ultimately, uh, you know, what happened? Those three encouraged the 12 who encouraged the 5,000 who reached the world. And here we are 2,000 years later as believers in Christ because Jesus was willing to focus and to trust that God was going to raise up Paul and Apollos and others to take the gospel to Rome, right? Like, if I had been Jesus's marketing director, I'd have been like, okay, Jesus, this this Jerusalem tour has been great. We got to get to Rome, though, because that's the center of the world. Once we reach Rome, we'll reach the rest of the world very quickly, right? And I would have been wrong. Yeah, we'll have, we'll have a lot more likes. <laughs> yeah, we, have, we, get, we get way more likes on, on um, Rome book than we'll ever get yeah. with Jerusalem book. And, yes. and Jesus is like, I'm not in it for the likes. I'm in it for the transformation. And the transformation comes from focused, intentional time. And so, you know, the rest of the story, of course, is that the woman says, yes, but even the dogs get the scraps from the table. And he marvels at her faith like he does with the other Gentiles. And uh, he tells her to go home and that her daughter has been has been healed. But you don't see him chasing Gentiles and pursuing Gentiles. And I think that that's a really powerful principle. And I think what you're talking about, about asking God, you know, what is my calling and what is not my calling? So you're not taking, you're not doing poorly what God has called somebody else to do, right? Like Jesus was not set up well to go to the Gentiles, right? He wasn't a Roman citizen, right? Paul gets thrown in jail and he's able to flash his citizenship card and suddenly he's sprung from jail, right? It's this magical thing. Jesus wouldn't have been given that kind of courtesy. He wasn't, God didn't prepare him to go into the Gentile world. And I think that uh, with our writing and with our marketing, frankly, that focus really makes it more powerful. Because once you know who you're speaking to, 
um, your message is more powerful and who you're trying to reach. You're not wasting your precious time and energy on folks that God hasn't called you to speak to. Well, you know, that leads right into our spiritual well-being uh, as part of this as well. We need to be sure that what we're writing is really what God called us to write, not writing something just because it's popular now or somebody's getting a lot of sales with it or even it's on that uh, one million follower blog. We may have a bit bigger impact on the 1,000 uh, follower blog when we're writing what God has called us to write uh, rather than just following the trends all the time. That's right. And, you know, there's nothing wrong uh, with following trends, but ultimately, uh, we follow Christ. <laughs> and yes, we exactly. want to be obedient uh, to Him. And, you know, there is a sense that this is a job, right? Especially for novelists, right? It, it makes sense to write the kind of books that people uh, want to read because, uh, you know, that's how you're going to provide uh, for your family. But you always want to do that with kind of an ear to the Holy Spirit to make sure that you're doing it in a way uh, that honors God. So um, we're almost out of time, but uh, we ha- we do have to talk about stress, right? Because writing can <laughs> yeah. be very stressful, uh, especially when you have different people and deadlines. Uh, so how do we, in the, in the midst of all of this, how do we manage our stress so that we can be, uh, if not stress-free writers, at least lower stressed uh, writers and write from a place of joy and uh, peace? Well, of course, uh, one of them is a healthy supply of chocolate uh, helps on when you're getting close. But you to just a said dead- we had to look after our health and eat healthy. <laughs> I said a healthy supply. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the dark chocolate with no sugar. I got it. I That's got it. right, exactly, and an almond inside for the protein. <laughs> and, uh, and but. To maintain some of this is what, some of what we've already talked about, learning to say no, building in those uh, times. Very rarely have I ever had a sudden deadline. Oh, since I, I take that back, when I worked uh, for a newspaper, yes, we had a 5 p.m. deadline every night. Uh, but I knew I had a 5 p.m. deadline every night. We know when our deadlines are coming. If I have a deadline next week, I am not going to plan to go to a retreat next week. Uh, and uh, it, it's knowing our schedule and building in those breaks and saying no. Uh, being healthy, I'm, I'm an advocate of taking care of our physical being uh, to de-stress. Uh, as I said, I'm a swimmer. My husband does other exercise. Uh, I like to work in my garden. And if I'm trying to work through a real problem with a sentence or a paragraph, I'll go out and pull weeds. Uh, and it takes that stress of doing that. And the other thing that, that will help stress is some time alone. Uh, Moses went away, David went away, Jesus went away. Uh, take time to be alone and uh, work on um, what um, you, you to be, what is it that's causing you to be stressed? Maybe it's the emotion of the project that is causing the stress. Maybe it's the people around you. Maybe you need to sit down with your family and say, I have this big project coming and I need some time. Uh, but it, build in the time, make your needs known to others, say no, and spend some time a, away from it and away from others if you need to. 
Excellent. That is so good. Uh, Susan, where can people find out more about you? Well, of course, there is my Facebook page, uh, which is facebook.com practical backslash practical inspirations, or my website is practical inspirations.com. All right. We will have links uh, to both of those in the show notes. If you just scroll down in your app or on this page, you can tap with your finger or click with your mouse uh, to go directly to her Facebook or her website. And our sponsor today is the Christian Writers Institute. And the course of the week is Prepare Your Heart to Be a Writer by Karen Ball and Aaron Taylor Young from the Right from the Deep podcast. And give yourself a God-based anchor for whatever comes your way, your most powerful weapon against any and all disappointments, obstacles, and attacks. The most effective tool uh, you have to keep going when all you want to do is give up is a heart that's grounded in the foundation of God's truth, which uh, is a little related to what we've been talking about today. So, if you want to go a little bit deeper, I encourage you to check out that course. And as always, you can use the coupon code podcast to save 10% at checkout. Uh, Susan Stewart, thank you so much for joining us today on the Christian Publishing Show. Well, thank you, Thomas. Uh, I've enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to the Christian Publishing Show. For more information and to get episodes delivered to your phone automatically, visit christianpublishingshow.com.